0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church of Greater Portland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by lead pastor, Chad Peralt. For other podcasts and resources, visit www.vineyardportland.org. So sweet, I'm, I'm a little I'm a little flustered because I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but I think we got it all down. So um, yeah, so... We're excited. This is our final week in our series called His Name's Fame. Um, We're talking about living a simple life of purpose through good works. And so over the last many weeks, we've looked at in Scripture um, how it is that we can live a simple life of purpose um, through participating in the good works that God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in. So the first week, we looked at how men and women in general can participate Uh, in good works as a means of of purpose and uh, worship to God. And then we also looked, uh, a couple weeks after that, we looked at how moms specifically can do that. Then we looked at the workplace, how it is that we in the workplace as employers and employees uh, can uh, participate in the good works that God has set before us. And then last week, we looked at the, uh, the life of generosity, that how generosity can be a way in which we participate in good works that God has set before us. And this week, we're gonna talk about fathers. We're gonna talk about how uh, fatherhood is a good work. How fatherhood is a good work. And that participating in the responsibility of being a father, no matter what age you are, is a good work. And you can rest assured that you are in the plans of God in your responsibility of being a father this morning. So over the last couple of weeks, we've sort of looked at, um, I've shared with you my heart regarding uh, this idea of God's will and his plan and his purpose. And I've shared with you my concern about how I think so often the narrative can be really complicated uh, regarding um, God's plan, his will, and his purpose for our lives. And that sometimes, many times, we're confused about how to sort of access that that in some way it's become a mystery to us. That the narrative is, is that God is in some way uh, holding back on us, waiting for us to do something in order for Him to reveal His plan for our lives. That there is uh, there's work that needs to be done on our part in order to release something that God wants to give. And so often we're left with this heavy yoke <clears throat> when we uh, feel like we're not walking in the plans of God, that it is somehow our fault. Because we're not doing what we're supposed to do in order for God to do what he's supposed to do. That is a heavy yoke that has been put on us. And it's not the yoke of Christ, because Christ's yoke is light and it's easy. And it's easy to understand what God's plan is for your life because he gave it to us in his word. So if we're not in the word, it's going to be really hard to discern what God's plan is for our lives. And that is the reason why I'm going through this series is because I want us to plainly see in the scriptures what it is that God has planned for us. And his plan is for us to participate in the good works that he set before us to walk in. Now, as you guys know, there's been a couple times last week, a couple weeks ago, where I've shared with you some concerns uh, regarding this idea of his will and his plan and his purpose and how God speaks to us. And I want to share with you something that I read uh, that I feel is concerning to me, and is being passed off as a way in which we can hear God or understand his plan for us. Let me begin. It's just one paragraph, but I think it's important to understand and be aware of some of the things that are out there that are um, not in line with the way God has called us to live in his plan in accord with Scripture. I just want to read this to you for a moment. Quote, being that God is a talking God, he is communicating to us nonstop with unrelenting enthusiasm. Right there we have a problem because if the assumption is is that God is speaking to us nonstop, then that means that anytime we don't hear God, there's a problem with us. That's a heavy yoke. Again, the reason we do not perceive the full expression of his person is that he reveals himself on wavelengths we have not learned to recognize and receive. I have no idea what that wavelength is. <laughs> just, I just, I just read God's word and I think to myself, I don't really see that. I don't really see that. I don't see how that lines up with the way God has called us to pursue him. That's why I have abandoned the old age question, why isn't God talking to me? I've concluded that such a proficient communicator as God is speaking in a million ways. His voice filling every atom in the universe. My concern is, that, is not that God remains silent, but rather that he's talking to us on so many levels that we do not know how to interpret the spiritual bandwidths through which he communicates. So here's the problem. God is always speaking, but it's incumbent on you to figure out how to hear his voice. The assumption is, is that God is not powerful enough to communicate something to you when he wants to, but that you have to do all of this work to figure out how to hear his voice. That's a heavy yoke. That's that's a yoke that you do not need to bear. That is not Christ's message. My yoke is easy. My burden is Light. I will not put a burden on you and convince you that you've got to jump through all these hoops to figure out how God speaks to you. Not to mention the fact that there is not one mention of God's revealed word. (laughs) Do you want to know how God speaks to you? Read this, read it. This is how God speaks. It's not the only way. But God has given us his revealed word for a reason. He wants to speak to you. What a concept. This is the wavelength you should be on. Okay? Let's just get that out there right away. This is the wavelength you should be on. This informs every way in which God speaks to us. Can God speak to us in other ways? Absolutely. Can he speak to us through the Holy Spirit, through unctions, and through words? No question. Can he speak to us through dreams? Absolutely. Can he speak to us through others, through encouragement and edification? 100%. But the core, the primary way in which he speaks to his people is through his revealed word, which he gave to those that he put his Holy Spirit in to equip them for the message that he has prepared for his people. When we are constantly told, that God is speaking, yet we can't hear him because we are not on his wavelength. We have not developed the bandwidth to figure out what he's saying. That puts all the emphasis on you, not on God. Is God not powerful enough to speak to you when he wants you to hear something? Is he playing hide and seek with you? No, that's a lie. It leaves us oftentimes disappointed, feeling unequipped, needing to strive, and God never wants you in that place. God has not only revealed his will, his plan, his purpose in scripture, but he has also revealed how we fit into that plan and for what purpose. We fit into that plan by devoting ourselves to good works for the purpose of his name's fame. That is the point of our lives. It is to bring glory to Christ. So our goal this morning, simple, to meet with God in his word so that as fathers, and I know this is not applicable to everybody, but I know that we can draw, everyone can draw something out of God's word. It is powerful enough to draw something, even though we may not think it's directly applicable to us because we are not fathers. But we are to meet with God in his words so that as fathers we can be instructed in the ways of Christ with our children or our grandchildren or our adult children and to assuredly rest with all certainty in the grace of Christ which equips us for every good work. The goal is simple, to live with purpose, to the praise of his glory. That's our purpose. That's our purpose in life, to the praise of his glory in the good work of fathering. How we father our children reflects our relationship with Christ and our view of God. So this morning, we're going to look at how we as fathers can live a simple life of purpose through the good work of fatherhood. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would cause in us a greater desire of truth and knowledge, understanding of you so that in our minds, as they expand in that understanding and that truth and that wisdom, that in our our expansion of that truth and knowledge, that it would enlarge our hearts with a desire to worship you. That as we dig in, as we meet with you, as we experience your presence in the word that you've given us, Father God, that it would would give us a sense of wonder and awe of you. God, that it would enlarge our hearts so that our worship of you would be more passionate. God, that we would desire your presence, Lord God, as we are filled with your truth. God, that as you've revealed yourself to us, God, let your revelation cause us to desire a more passionate and wonderful beauty of worship. In you. Father God, I pray that you would fillet us this morning in your word. God, that you would cut to the heart. You would bring conviction, Lord. God, that the beauty and the splendor of your greatness, Lord God, would be realized. And as we see you for who you are, we would understand who we are. Bankrupt without you. Completely reliant on you for everything. So, Father, I ask, Lord, you would prepare our hearts, Lord for this word. I, I pray you would prepare our hearts and our minds, God, so that we could see this, we can understand it, we can take it in. God, we can apply it. And God, that you would grow and mature us by the power of your word, by the truth that lives in it, by your holy revelation to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You ready? Let's go. So as we have gone on in the past, I have talked about God's will, his plan, and his purpose, and how we can see what that looks like in Scripture. We see God's will, his plan, and his purpose in many ways harmonized in the text, and we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1 today for a moment and see how it is that God brings these concepts together in his word. We've talked about his will being how it is that he demonstrates the immeasurable beauty and richness of his attributes, of his essence, of his being, his love, his mercy, his kindness, his patience, his gentleness. That is the will of God to demonstrate that to his people. And his plan in accord with that will is Christ. That he unveils Christ because Christ is the one in whom these attributes, these, the, the essence of who God is, is lavishly and wholly expressed. So God's will is mercy, love, justice, kindness, patience. And how is it that he demonstrates that? Through forgiveness and redemption and salvation and reconciliation with God. I know these are big words. Sanctification, being made holy. How is it that God puts in plan His will? It is through Christ. And what is the purpose of all of this? It is for His name's fame, for His glory, for the praise of His glory. It is for His name to be known with our lives. That is the purpose of all of it. So when talking about good works, when talking about participating in good works, we have to understand something that I hope has been clear over the last five weeks. Our good works can only be pleasing to God if they are predicated on our hope in Christ. Right. That it is christ's amazing work that is the foundation of our good work that in the hope of christ our good work delights god hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says that without faith it's impossible to please god impossible so for fathers for you this morning as fathers If we are to participate in the good work of fathering, it must be predicated on the hope of Christ. And it must be predicated on our faith in Him. We can provide for our kids everything they need the best upbringing, the best athletic programs, the best schooling, the best opportunities. Yet without faith, it doesn't matter to God. Doesn't matter. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. We can perform form wondrous works for our children. We can be there for them emotionally. We can provide for them. We can make sure every need is accounted for and has been met. Yet without faith, It doesn't please God. God delights in a man of faith that fathers his children. And we participate in the good works of fatherhood by faith and faith alone. So I want us to look at Ephesians chapter one. We're gonna be in Ephesians today and a couple other places. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. We see these concepts of God's will, his plan, and his purpose, and the hope of Christ all sort of harmonized in this wonderful passage that Paul pens uh, in his book to the Ephesians. This is what Paul says In him, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, we have gained something. In Christ, the inheritance. What is it? What is it that we have inherited? We have inherited eternity. We have inherited heaven. We have inherited a life of worship to God forever. That's our inheritance. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined. We have been chosen. Our destiny has been already decided on by God. We are predestined according in agreement to the purpose of him. And what did we say the purpose of God is in all things? To bring glory to his name. So Paul says, we have, been in, we have an inheritance and we have been predestined according or in agreement or because of the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So the purpose of God is his will. His will is for his purpose. The purpose of God is to bring glory to his name. And how does he do that? By demonstrating his will. See that? That's what Paul's saying. So we see that Paul fleshes out his purpose a little bit more. He says that he does all of these things according to the counsel of his will, that everything God wills comes to pass, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to what? The praise of his will. Glory. Oh, oh, so you get inheritance. You get predestined. You get chosen by God because it is in agreement with what He has decided to do. And why is it that He's done this? For the praise of His glory, for His name's fame, for that your life would make Him known. That's the point. Paul says that they are the first to hope in Christ. And that is so that they could be the praise of his glory. When we hope in Christ, when we set our hope in Christ alone, not in dreams, not in plans, not in visions, when we set our hope in Christ and the work of Christ on our behalf in our lives, that is for one purpose, to the praise of his glory. It's all about the praise of his glory. It leads us to Ephesians chapter 2, which is our text for this series. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not a work of your own doing, but a gift from Christ. Not a matter of works, so that no man may boast, For you are his workmanship, created in Christ to participate in the good works that he's prepared beforehand for you to walk in. Why are you created in Christ? Why are you born again? To participate in the good work that he has planned before to walk in. So not only has he predestined you, but he has predestined all your works. He's already decided every work that you're going to participate in. That's to the praise of his glory. Amen. So the good work of fathering. Let's look at this for a moment. What does the good work of fathering look like? Ephesians chapter six, verse four. It's really short. So fathers, don't worry. It's not a long list for us. (laughs) Paul is quite simple. And here's the most amazing thing. Paul writes this on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Is Paul a father? No. Paul's not even married. But Paul gives instructions to fathers on how to father and how to participate in the good work of fathering to know that you are safe and secure in the plans of God under the, uh, the equipping of the Holy Spirit, Paul says this about fathers. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. That should cut to the heart. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord that is your good work, fathers. So let's talk about this for a moment. This has the doctrine of grace flowing, overflowing out of it. This is the doctrine of the grace of Christ that Paul is uh, attempting to communicate to the church, to his people. This has got to be our instruction, our discipline with our children has got to be rooted in the foundational doctrine of grace that God has displayed and has poured out for us in our lives. It has got to be about grace, dads. Paul begins by arguing from the negative. He has a lot to say With regards to fathering, even though it's only a couple lines, there's a lot in there. But yet, Paul finds it more applicable, more useful, to first start in the negative, that he illuminates who we should be by showing us what we shouldn't be doing. Paul begins with a warning, cautioning us as fathers not to provoke their children. And this negative statement further illuminates what it is that Paul wants to get across. He says, do not provoke them, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In other words, God-centered discipline and instruction has no room for provoking. God-centered discipline and instruction does not allow For provoking. That phrase, provoke to anger, is rendered in the Greek with one word, and it means this to irritate or to exasperate. And it carries the idea of causality. In other words, fathers, in your instruction, in your fathering, do not be the cause of anger in your children. Some of you might be thinking, that's impossible. (laughs) I'm thinking that. Do not be the source of their irritation or their discouragement. Let not your heart be motivated by the desire to provoke. Paul is not saying that in your instruction and in your training of your children, he's not saying that it won't cause anger or irritation or discouragement. He's not saying that. What he's saying is is don't let your heart be motivated by a desire to provoke. Don't let your heart be motivated by a desire to anger them. Don't let be that your motivating factor. You must resist discouragement. Amen. Colossians three, chapter twenty-one. Paul sort of talks about uh, how it is that we should be training up our children and how we should be participating in the good work of fatherhood. Uh, in uh, in Colossians chapter three, verses twenty-one, this is what he says. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And that word in the Greek is, is different, but it kind of means the same thing. It means to incite or stimulate. Do not incite discouragement. Do not stimulate discouragement. Do not stimulate anger or, or frustration in them. Fathers, do not let your instruction and correction be the source of your child being let down or disappointed. Now let me say this. Your instruction will cause them to be let down and disappointed. Okay? That, that, that's not what we're trying to avoid here. But do not let your heart be desired or be determined by that motive. That's what Paul is saying. There are many times when we have to break some bad news to our kids that leaves them dis- disappointed and at sometimes angry. Uh, I'd oftentimes angry. But what Paul is saying here is, let your motive be pure. Let your motive be pure in your fathering so that you can participate in the good works that I have prepared for you. So that when we have pure motives as fathers and when we instruct with a pure motive, with sincerity of heart, Paul is saying that is when you participate in good works. A couple of weeks ago, me and Rylan had an issue. <laughs> and um, I'll be honest with you, I had to apologize to him. I mean, I do that a lot, to be honest with you, with my children, wouldn't you say? I do a, I do, a fair <laughs> I do it a fair amount. <laughs> so a, a couple of weeks ago, we were here at prayer uh, on, on Wednesday night, and sometimes when, when we come, if, you know, we both come, we'll bring the kids, obviously. But if Shanna's got something going on, then I, if I come, I bring the kids. And so we brought the kids, I brought the kids, and they were hanging out over there. We were praying. And then after we got done, we got in the car, and we started to drive home. It was one of those nights where it was really cold, and it was really rainy. And we were driving home, and uh, Ryland kept rolling the window down. And I'm like, dude, it's cold out what are you rolling the window down for? It's like too cold in here. I mean, we're talking it was like 40 degrees and raining. It wasn't nice. So I was like, Rylan, can you you roll the window up, please? But dad, do I have to? Yeah, yeah, you do. You got to roll the window up. So he rolls the window up. No, sorry. So I roll the window up for him because he wouldn't do it. About a minute later, I realize the window's down again. I'm like, Rylan, what are you you doing? I'm hot, daddy. I'm hot. I'm like, I know that, but you've got to roll the window up. That's just the way it is. Just roll the window up. It's cold. So he rolls it up again. He rolls it down one more time. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I was about to wring his neck. But I love him lovingly. I was gonna lovingly wring his neck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of something else right now. <laughs> so we get home. And uh I, I'm not ready to let this go. I wanna like I wanna dress this. And so we got home and it was like 9.15 or so. And got Gracie down and I went into their room and he was upset already because he's, you know, he's just super, you know, Rye feels everything. He's just a super feeler, you know. He just feels everything. And so I got into the room and I was just like, I was provoking him. I mean, I was provoking him. I was like, we need to talk about this. And he kept saying to me, Daddy, I I, got to calm down. I, I got to calm down. I, I'm, I'm too, like, he was telling me, like, I need to be left alone right now. And I'm like, no, we're talking about this. This is, like, what are you doing? Like, you, you know, I asked you three times to roll that window up, and you defied me three times. And I kept pushing and pushing. And then finally I decided, all right, I'm leaving. And I left him there. And he was upset. And the next morning, I woke up, and I said, that was wrong. I think I got a little help from Shanna. (laughs) But I said, that was wrong. And I had to repent. I had to to go to the Lord and say, God, help me. I don't want my children to see that in me. And I, Brylin came upstairs and I apologized and I said, buddy, I'm sorry. The way I handled that last night was completely wrong. I provoked him. I provoked him. I irritated him. I was the source of his discouragement. And it was wrong. It was wrong. As fathers, we have to participate in the good work of fathering by resisting discouragement. So what should we do? Paul says right after that, he says, do not provoke them, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In other words, resist discouragement and reflect meekness and gentleness. Instead, Paul says, bring up your children In the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The implication here is that the manner in which Christ has disciplined and dealt with us shall be the model for how we as fathers father our children so as to reflect the beauty of Christ. That word discipline that Paul uses can also be rendered training or nurturing or educating. Paul says, train up your children in the ways of Christ. Nurture them in the ways of Christ. Educate them. Teach them in the ways of Christ. But do it in a way that doesn't cause discouragement but reflect the love of Christ that word instruction Paul uses discipline and instruction and that word instruction means to admonish or correct so Paul says you must train and nurture but also admonish and correct but you must do it as a way to reflect the beauty of Christ in your life. We must do it with a healthy fear of God. Not a manipulating fear, but one that exalts Christ and produces a sense of reverence and honor and wonder. Proverbs 19 says that the beginning or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That as we we come into this understanding of Christ, as we begin to fear him, the, the one that holds everything together, the one that spoke everything by the power of his word, the one that holds the universe in its place, the one that gives you every single breath you breathe, that one, all reverence and honor and awe should go to him. That is, his, that is the fear of God. And that when we begin to lift him up in that place, that is where wisdom begins. The truth of Christ begins in the reverence of Christ. That as we lift him up, as he becomes the, the top level of the seesaw, and we're down here, that as we understand the lowliness and the meekness of ourselves, and we understand the beauty and the majesty of him, that is when wisdom begins. Amen, amen. Fathers, when you correct and rebuke, do it in a way that does not bring discouragement, but magnifies the beauty of Christ. So we must resist discouragement and reflect meekness and gentleness. God exalting discipline and instruction is performed with tenderness and love. And we must resolve ourselves to handle our children with meekness and gentleness. Listen to what Paul says about Christ in the way that he has dealt with him. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 says this. I, Paul, myself, entreat you. I beg you. I plead with you. By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, Paul is saying, this is how Christ has dealt with me with meekness and gentleness. And I urge you, I plead with you, I, I, I beg you, by the we- meekness and gentleness of Christ, I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. What is Paul saying here? That those who oppose me, I will deal with you as Christ has dealt with me, with meekness and gentleness. That's what Paul is saying. If you oppose my ministry, you oppose my message, I will deal with you with meekness and gentleness as Christ has done with me. And in Matthew, we see that about Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, this is what Jesus says about himself. Sorry, no, it's in chapter, it's in verse, let me see here. Actually, I don't have that written down. But it is um, when Jesus is talking about his Um, his his yoke being light and he says to 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 us he says come to me and take on my yoke and learn from me here it is matthew 11 yep thank you guys Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, which we talked about in the beginning, that is light. And learn from me, for I am what? I am gentle. I am lowly in heart. I am humble. I am meek. I have come In lowliness as a man, I am the transcendent God, but I have come as a man, and I am now meek and brought low and humbled. I am your servant. In that same way, we as fathers will participate in the good works in the same understanding. That as we father our children as a way of good works, we must understand that we must deal with them with all gentleness and meekness and lowliness if we model our behavior with our children in this way, we provide for them the example of the discipline and instruction that is present in our lives. So by our example, we display Christ fathers. When you participate in good works, when you participate in the good work of fathering through meekness and gentleness, you are providing the way. You are providing the model. You are setting the example that Christ has set in your life. That is how you participate in the good work of fathering. And finally, this, we must reflect the gospel. We must resist discouragement, reflect meekness and gentleness, and reflect the gospel. We must father the gospel, loving them, especially in our training, in our discipline, towards them, in our raising them with the full measure of grace in which Christ showed us by his work of salvation. And we do violence to the doctrine of grace when we withhold grace from our children in our fathering. If we cannot demonstrate grace to our children, we violate the doctrine of grace that has been so poured out on the cross for our lives. It is about grace. John 116, listen to these words about grace. He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth comes through Christ So we have been given grace upon grace upon grace, never ending into eternity. That has been bestowed on us. So if that is how God deals with us, fathers, I plead with you, I beg with you, do the same with your children so that you can walk in the good works of fathering that God has set before you to walk in. The irresistible force of God's grace to instruct equips us for every good work. 2 Timothy 3:16 says this, that all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproofing, for correction, and for training in righteousness, That same word, training, is the same word Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 6. When he says, train your children, when he says, discipline them in the ways of the Lord, that's the same word that Paul uses in this text, that word training. And that word training has to do with the word of God. So fathers, if we're going to participate in the good works of fathering, what it is that we have to do, what is our responsibility? It is to bring up our children in the word. Train them up in the ways of God through the Word of God. And all of this is for one purpose. Matthew 5, verse 16. Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory your father. That's the point. That's the point. It's the praise of his glory. It's to make his name known. It's the fame of his name. Let your good works shine before men. Not so that you can boast. Not so that you can get the credit. Let your good works shine before men. Let your good works be present in the life of your children for one purpose, to the praise of his glory, to make his name known for the fame of his name. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's stand this morning. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to ask anybody who's on the prayer team to come down. And uh, let's pray together this morning. If you need prayer for anything, pray you'd come down and receive prayer. Um, Let the Spirit of God minister to you this morning.